0: Of
1: failure, the system of failure. Miss Austin and I were both passengers on Oceanic Flight 815, which crash-landed on an island in the South Pacific. Were you aware that Miss Austin was a fugitive, being transported by a United States Marshal on that flight to Los Angeles for trial? I did learn that eventually, yes. From the US Marshal? No, the Marshal died in the crash.
2: Hello everyone, Matt here and welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits to the series as a whole. Today I'll be covering episode 404 entitled Eggtown. This is the 76th hour of the series and there are 45 to go. With that, let's jump straight into the Wikipedia summary for the episode, which starts out like this. John Locke is keeping Ben Linus prisoner in the basement of the house he has claimed in the barracks. He prepares breakfast for him, including the two remaining eggs, which he fries along with some fresh melon. But Ben taunts him and Locke becomes frustrated. Kate cuts a deal with Locke's prisoner, Miles. He tells her what he knows about her, if he can speak to Ben for one minute. Miles wants to extort $3.2 million from Ben, and in return, Miles promises to lie to his employer, claiming Ben is dead. Miles gives Ben a week to produce the cash, Before Locke finds them, Miles reveals he knows all about Kate's past. Locke banishes Kate from the barracks and goes to a lake house where Miles is being kept captive. Locke puts a grenade in Miles' mouth so that if he ceases to bite, he will die. Kate sleeps with Sawyer, but does not have sex with him. Before Kate leaves the camp at the beach, she slaps Sawyer across the face after he suggests that she is just pretending to be mad as an excuse to go back to Jack. And continue their love triangle meanwhile jack returns to the survivors beach camp with juliet and newcomers daniel and charlotte jack and juliet become increasingly uneasy over a series of unsuccessful attempts to contact the freighter by satellite phone and verify that desmond Said, and frank who departed for the freighter by the helicopter the previous evening have arrived safely that evening as charlotte tests daniel's memory using playing cards Daniel successfully remembers two out of three cards, and Charlotte remarks that this is progress. Jack and Juliet ask if there's another phone number they could try. Charlotte dials an emergency number and speaks to Regina, who reports that the helicopter has never arrived. After leaving the island, and in flash-forwards, Kate is famous as one of the Oceanic Six. She's tried for her numerous crimes committed before the crash and pleads not guilty because kate is opposed to bringing her son to the trial jack is called as a character witness he lies in his testimony saying the flight eight hundred fifteen crashed in the water eight survived the crash but two have since died and kate was primarily responsible for the oceanic sixes survival kate speaks with her mother diane for the first time in four years Bang is no longer angry at kate because her perspective changed when she thought kate had died in the plane crash when diane Prosecution star witness. No longer wants to testify against her daughter. The district attorney makes a plea deal. Kate gets ten years probation but must stay in the state of California. Jack meets Kate in the parking garage. He admits that he is still in love with her, in contrast to his false testimony under oath, and asks to go out for coffee with her. Kate responds they cannot go out until he is willing to visit her baby. It is then revealed that Kate is raising Claire Littleton's son, Aaron. And with that, let's now get into my thoughts about the episode. An episode which is, it's not great, but you know what, it, it doesn't need to be. We're about a quarter through the season now, and this certainly is an episode uh, separate from the first three. It's not setting up uh, tons of uh, mysteries for the season, it's now dealing with them. So, you know, as I've said before, everything doesn't need to be A+, I'd, I'd call this an A-episode. Maybe with some of the Kate stuff, it's a tad predictable. Maybe we, we end up into B territory. But still, it's it's a, a solid enough episode. It's an episode that starts with no previously on Lost. Uh, which was a nice change since uh, the last two previously on Losts have started the exact same way. Anyhow, this episode opens straight with a quick lock-eye shot. And then we see him preparing breakfast. There's an odd little moment... To have this outdoorsman to be uh, enjoying a kitchen filled with yams and eggs and melons. It's kind of, uh, you know, all this in the refrigerator, of course, it's kind of rustic meets the comforts of home. The meal is made quickly, then it's delivered to the underground holding cell beneath uh, the house, which of course is housing Ben. That's right, Ben is back being locked in a hatch of sorts. At least he's a bit more clean than in past episodes. And the show uh, quickly says hi to us at home. From my own bookshelf. Help you pass the time. I've already read it.
0: You might catch something you missed the second time around.
2: Haha, ha, get it? They're talking to us, because that's what we do. Anyhow, the scene continues with Ben asking why he's not in the rec room anymore. That's where, of course, he was kept. Uh, the answer is for Locke to keep him under lock and key, if you'll pardon the pun. And Ben asking where Miles is kept? No answer, because that's a bit of a mystery for uh, at least part of the episode. Ben recounts Locke's situation. No cabin, no Jacob, no direction, and more lost, if you'll again pardon the pun, than before. Locke plays it off uh, as letting the familiar Ben mind-screw water just flow off his back. But uh, Terry O'Quinn has a little grimace of frustration that kind of really tells us what Locke is feeling at that moment. And, of course, for those requiring less subtlety, Locke walks out of the cell and smashes the dishes against the wall. Hey, just like he did back in the Swan Hatch. I I wouldn't fault this episode for taking us back to some familiar territory uh, with Locke here, uh, with Ben here, uh, with Kate. Uh you know it's 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 just as ben says and i think here the show is really tackling the notion head on that 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 people are kind of trapped in a cycle and you know which would make sense for the the rough midpoint of the show certainly not midpoint in episode count but kind of midpoint in the uh, in the seasons uh yeah as i say it's just an exploration of of people who are profoundly stuck and of course kate is at the top of that list The story then moves to Kate, uh, Aaron, and Claire taking the morning air out on the porch, although Claire quickly goes inside to, quote, make coffee, close quote for Sawyer. If only so Kate and Sawyer can jibber-jabber some more and do it together, of course. Sawyer, uh, at this point, makes an attempt for Kate to move in with him, although she rebuffs him. Sawyer says it's about the pregnancy thing. Uh, His concern... Uh, and her concern that perhaps she is pregnant from their previous liaisons. Also, is a bit of foreshadowing, as this week's uh, eggs in Eggtown aren't only from chickens, and they're not only served for breakfast. With that, we flash forward to Kate, made up, preparing to enter somewhere. She has head held high. We quickly see that it's a courthouse, and that her time of reckoning has finally come.
0: ...charged with fraud, arson, assault on a federal officer... Assault with a deadly weapon, grand larceny, grand theft auto, and murder in the first degree. Miss Austin, how do you plead? Not guilty. No sinners.
2: With that, she's placed into custody for the duration of the trial, which places it seemingly in contrast from the very first uh, flash forward that we saw, where she's free as a bird. Indeed, Today's story will tell us uh, how she got from the the courthouse to freedom, while letting the question of how the Oceanic Six got home and who they all are, letting that question linger a bit longer. Uh, With that, we have the title card, then Sun and Jin planning their post-rescue life. Albuquerque, New York, Seoul. Jin, in English, explains he learned uh, the language to live in the United States, where his son wants to raise her baby. Emphasis, her baby, in Korea. Ah, the plot thickens. Unfortunately, they don't really do anything with it uh, for the rest of this episode, but obviously they're, they're setting things up for episodes to come. Uh, with that, Jack returns with Miles and Charlotte, and he's quick to point out that A, those two will help aid the rescue. Hey, that's an Oceanic Six clue. And B, Kate st- uh, stayed with Locke. Hey, it's not an Oceanic Six clue lovely little bit of uh oh dramatic tension there if you want to call it that it's the show very intentionally i think uh taking us from you know we're we're meant to be playing along at home we're meant to be trying to figure out uh you know how how the oceanic six will be since that's our new uh our new kind of grand mystery how they'll come to be together who they all are hear the show very intentionally, have, will have the pieces start to come together, and come apart, etc. Anyhow, uh, speaking of Kate staying with Locke, we cut to Kate at Locke's house. She wants to talk to Miles, who Locke will keep hidden in a secret location. Thank you very much. Uh, it, of course, takes all of three seconds talking to Hurley, and Kate finds that Miles is uh, being kept in that boathouse. And now there's been enough build-up for the, the hidden Mr. Strom, and when Kate talks to him, it is finally worth it.
0: So the Arab traded you too, huh? Do you know who I am? Excuse me? Do you know who I am? Do you know what I did? did you, too. Answer the question. Okay. I'll tell you what you want to know, but you got to do something for me first. I'm not letting you go. I don't want to be let go. I'm exactly where I want to be. What I want is one minute of someone's time. You bring him to me, and I will tell you everything I know about you. Who do you think?
2: There's always that great sarcasm to Miles, and uh, this time, though, it's kind of below the surface. Uh, and we have here an opportunity for the show to very subtly restate uh, another bit of the ongoing plot, the Get Ben portion of the programming. Uh, they're able to recap that without tons of direct exposition. Uh, and of course, there's also this seed planted that Miles has promised to tell Kate everything he knows about her, though he, of course, hasn't specified how much that is. And I think that we're we're almost meant to suspect... Oh, he's going to say, I know nothing. Thank you for giving me all I wanted. Now the honest and truthful answer is, I know nothing. Uh, If if we're meant to pick up that little whiff, great, all the better, because uh, we end up, of course, being wrong. With that, we flash forward to prison Kate, uh, talking to her lawyer, getting the news that the DA is going to try the case herself, uh, and that this will be an impossible uh, case for Kate to win. The DA suggests... Uh, one way to help win and gee whiz it's the return of the mysterious him
0: what's that To make it about character not about what you did or didn't do but about who you are what do you mean who I am I want him in the courtroom absolutely not we need him Kate it'll generate tremendous sympathy Duncan listen to me you are not bringing him in here alright you want to make this about me about my character fine you are not using my son.
2: It's a nice shock that they give you there, even if you see it coming. It's just a good zinger. It certainly is. Uh, well, it's an answer to uh, a question that we've had since the season three finale: who this hymn is. Um, it's it, of course, opens up the the mystery for the rest of the episode. How did Kate have a child? as we'll talk in a bit we're, we're meant to we're meant to assume for a spell that it's Jack's, uh, then ultimately of course we get the the true answer at the end of the episode. but anyhow, after the uh, after the act break, we return to the beach where Said and the boat cannot be raised. More on that later in the episode, of course. Uh, and after a bit of recap and seed planting, we're back to Claire and Kate doing the laundry. Kate is, of course, reluctant to pick up Aaron, that uh, chubby, cute little bundle of joy who's been part of the show since day one. The scene is kept bright, but in the light of the previous flash-forward, if you're starting to maybe connect, Kate's talking about a baby, now we're seeing a baby, there certainly is a sinister feel to the scene.
0: Here, I got him. Good with him. (laughs) Just the last thing I ever thought I'd be good at is being a mum. You know, you should try it sometime.
2: Holy crow, that's right. The show is giving us the, the thread to tug on. Is Kate the ostensible hero of the episode going to steal Claire's baby Uh, if so can we find a new level of hate for her now I'll admit on first viewing I don't know how uh, how much we're meant to suggest uh, you know I don't know how suggested this is certainly you know it's possible not knowing the full timeline not knowing how long Kate has been back uh you know it's it's possible uh that it's it's her own uh well it's her own birth child um whether fathered by jack you know there's there's pregnancy discussion here with uh with uh sawyer uh perhaps by that source etc cetera, etc cetera. so uh, anyhow certainly on on the rewatch it's like you know my goodness you know we this is when we first start to realize uh oh kind of the the depth of what kate kate did anyhow speaking of uh the understanding for all that she's done we flash forward to kate's trial where the surprise witness is dr jack shepard the jury is reminded that they only met after her crimes uh then he tells them more and our understanding of the lies uh versus the truth kind of starts to seep out
1: for any of you who don't read newspapers or the internet or watch (laughs) television how you met the defendant? um on September 22, 2004, Kate uh, <laughs> Miss Austin and I were both passengers on Oceanic Flight 815, which crash-landed on an island in the South Pacific. Were you aware that Miss Austin was a fugitive being transported by a United States marshal on that flight to Los Angeles for trial? I did learn that eventually, yes, from the US marshal? No, the marshal died in the crash. I never spoke to him. Miss Austin told me. Did you ever ask her if she was guilty? No, never. Well, that seems like a reasonable question. Why not? I just assumed that there'd been some kind of mistake. And why would you think that? Only eight of us survived the crash. We landed in the water. I was hurt pretty badly. In fact, if it weren't for her, I would have never made it to the shore. <sighs> she took care of me. She took care of all of us. She she gave us first aid, water, found food, made shelter. She tried to save the other two, but they didn't. Stop. Miss Austin, please sit down. This has
0: nothing to do with, with anything. This is my trial, and I don't want him to say anything else.
1: It's fine. I have no more questions, Your Honor.
2: What? The marshal never met Jack? We know better. Only eight survived? In the water? Saved by Kate? We know better. There's also a hint there at the end of Kate not wanting, uh, I think, too much of the cover story to be explored. uh, Adding to our itch of this uh, missing background that we've yet to learn. Uh, This of course, on first viewing. With that, the story moves back to the island with Sawyer reading. And his uh, his uh, roomy Hurley uh, making it movie night with one of the two movies that they have, Kate arrives, and Sawyer and her move the conversation into the kitchen, where the rough edged flirting continues on Sawyer's part. Kate ever chaste, tells him that she wants to use him to bust Ben out uh that's apparently shocking enough to end the act i suppose it's surprising enough although not for nothing we saw miles suggest that very thing uh anyhow it gets us thinking that ben must somehow get off the island too kate an oceanic six member well that must be the right path right you know if she's getting off that must this must be taking us towards how ben leaves the island too right wrong but that's okay i think that's you know, if the shorter season has something going for it, I mean, it has a bunch going for it, but if, if there's one thing it 's that uh oh, some of these mysteries play out a bit quicker it's a bit more fun to play at home when you're not constantly being beaten down by needing to juggle you know twelve story balls now there's just a little bit less to it, but anyhow, after the act break, Sawyer arrives at Locke's house to play backgammon, Ah, the old game of white versus black. Locke wonders if he's leading properly and asks Sawyer for feedback from the group. Sawyer sprinkles in a hint here and a whisper there and finally admits, the way con men do perhaps, that uh, Kate wants to bust out Ben. Uh, With that, the guys race to talk to Miles, who, gasp, isn't in the boathouse prison. It's around that time, I think, that we, the audience, realize that Sawyer is playing uh, for Team Kate. Uh, and as we see Miles and Kate break into Locke's house and make their way to Ben's prison, we see also that this plan is working.
0: You got one minute. Go. How about some privacy? 55 seconds. You know who I am? Yes. Yes. you know he's put a lot of time and energy into finding you. So now I found you. And I can tell him exactly where you are. Or I can lie and tell him you're already dead. And I'd be willing to do that for 3.2 million dollars. You've arranged this meeting so you could blackmail me? It's extortion if you want to get technical. 3.2, but why not 3.3 or 3.4? What makes you think I have access to that kind of money? Do not treat me like I'm one of them. Like I don't know who you are and what you can do. Your friend Charlotte has seen me. She knows I'm alive. I'll take care of Charlotte. You just worry about getting me the money. You have two days. My present situation is a little bit restricted. Can that be amended? Okay. One week in cash. Time's up. Don't even think about it! I said time's up! This is hot. You got your meeting, now I want my answer. We got your name when you called the freighter. Of course, we know about you and everybody else on the 815 manifesto. I prove it. Your name is Katherine Ann Austin. You're wanted for murder, fraud, arson, a whole bunch of other stuff we can't remember. You're a fugitive. Got caught in Australia and the feds will bring you back. So yeah, we know.
2: If I were you, I'd stay right here on the island. Who knows? Maybe you didn't survive the crash. Did you notice there that we got a nice little whiff uh, of the quote, he, close quote, who employs Miles, as well as uh, more little peeks into the background of Miles. And of course, Miles spilled the beans. Uh, Fine, a bit of a mislead that Miles knows nothing from earlier, at least the mislead I was suggesting, but certainly matches up very, very well to that flash forward story that he's just knows oh so much about Kate kate and miles of course get caught after locking up ben and Locke banishes kate back to her house and the act ends we return with kate hanging out in her living room and claire's there as well she clearly has no idea what's going on bless her soul Locke enters ready for a reckoning he asks to be told what miles and ben uh had had talked about and of course Kate, uh, very wise to cut a deal, tells him all, tells him everything. Then Locke simply holds up his hand, a la Moses uh, parting the water with one hand perhaps, and banishes her from this place as well. She must leave. Flash forward to Kate uh, after a day in court, ready to change into her prison jumpsuit. The lawyer wheels in her mother, who looks a lot better. Uh, Kate recaps a bit. Last time you were sick, you called the police, Mom. But their heart-to-heart continues. It's not a tremendously compelling scene. The mom wasn't around very much in previous episodes, and the fact that she's been given six months to live for the last four years seems a bit like dramatic convenience. However, mom is there to deal. She implies that she won't testify against her daughter if she can see, quote, her grandson, close quote, It feels dastardly, and Kate rejects it, ending the flashback. Kate arrives uh, back in the island story. Kate arrives at Sawyer's bedroom. He continues to try and put the moves on her in that warm, genuine Sawyer way that keeps us hopeful he'll find the right girl one day. They kiss, but of course we know it's doomed, isn't it? Uh, Not for tonight, though. Uh, They smooch and lean into bed out of shot. You wonder what's about to happen. Anyhow, from the frivolity of the bedroom, we move to Charlotte uh, and Miles, giving us another mystery to ponder.
0: We diamonds, then we, six, uh, clubs, sorry, and we have a, the red ten of hearts, maybe. Two out of three. It's not bad. It's progress. Three cards, Charlotte. Is that progress?
2: Hey. And of course, lest they talk too much about some sort of memory problem, something of course to uh, explore down the road, perhaps even next week, Jack and Juliet interrupt, wanting to get uh, in touch with the freighter. A special call is placed on the secret line, only to reveal that the helicopter hasn't arrived yet ah the you know, whiff of tragedy ends the act uh, though the wise of course will remember how it took extra time for Miles to recede his experimental payload last week which uh, I would suggest well not even I suggest I mean we see we, we see some of the issues not some of the issues my goodness we see the uh, the, the time particulars uh, around that helicopter uh, travel we see that next week Anyhow, uh, after the break, we're back to Miles in the boathouse, now chained from the ceiling and certainly looking a bit worse for wear. Locke puts a grenade in his mouth and pulls the pin, and if Miles doesn't keep his mouth shut on the trigger, it will blow. How far we've come, haven't we, from that zen-like bushman Locke who cares for all. Uh, it being morning, we move to Kate and Sawyer post or so we think, They get all smoochy, and dialogue reveals that, in fact, they haven't. Uh, It's an incredibly odd scene. Kate shooting him down, revealing that she isn't pregnant. They don't want to say the word menses. Uh, With that, Kate says she's leaving, and Sawyer, and the show, calls her on her ongoing behavior.
0: What, you're leaving? Because of this? That's that? You crawl up in my bed one second, and the next you just... Goodbye, James. Don't make this about me, Kate. You didn't want a baby any more than I did. You're just looking for some excuse to split, and now you got one. Well, that's all right, Freckles. I ain't gonna hold it against you. I'm just gonna sit right here in my comfy bed. Because in about a week, you'll find some reason to get pissed at Jack and bounce right back to me.
2: It's fair, it's true, and it's another example of how the show takes a kate episode and places kate into a place where we can only dislike her i mean my goodness what what's the last bad thing that sawyer did can you think back you want to say it was killing anthony cooper uh gee whiz seems like it was justified to me uh sawyer has certainly been on his best behavior for a long long time here and uh he's certainly meant to be uh beyond recent reproach and uh instead we have Kate rebuffing him. Anyhow, we uh, flash forward. We don't don't fast forward. We flash forward to Kate's trial. Kate's mom won't testify nonetheless, and the DA is now offering Kate only four years in jail. The lawyer turns it down, and as a side note, dust off your DVDs, log on to Netflix, around the 37 minute, 20 second mark, that's where the scene is. Uh, Throughout the scene, the lawyer looks like he's wearing a, a lovely shade of lipstick. It's. It looks like that, and I think it's more than a lighting situation. I think it's actually a makeup uh, error, and oops, a daisy on him. Anyhow, for the actual plot at hand, uh, they haggle to time served, plus 10 years probation, and she can't leave the state. Uh, Kate takes that deal and walks out of the back door of the courthouse, only to meet Jack. It feels like a p- fairly pedantic scene, Including his admission to the fact that he lied under oath he does have feelings for her get it it's a love triangle but out of time and there's more and it's the show taking a cheap shot at the audience uh, by what it doesn't say
0: you want to follow me come by for a visit
2: uh,
1: I, I actually have to get over to the hospital but um Maybe you and I could grab some coffee together or something.
0: I know why you don't want to see the baby, Jack. But until you do, until you want to, there's no you and me going for coffee. But, um...
1: If at any time you change your mind, come and see
2: us. Yeah. Okay. It's implied here that it's Jack's baby. Uh, and I think it's unfair. Uh, the timeline, of course, is not very specific at this point. And indeed, just as we are rocketing toward the midpoints of, of stories uh, here, the Oceanic Six leaving the island and we have to go back, you know, those are kind of the endpoints We're at the midpoint now. Uh, It's possible that it's Jack's baby, as as far as we know on first viewing. Uh, Now, for as much as it being a cheap shot, to be completely fair, Kate then gets in the cab, goes home, hugs the nanny, hurrah, hurrah, we're all happy and safe, goes upstairs to see her wonderful, adorable, blonde-haired baby, and uh, indeed... Who the baby is, who the baby's father is—they uh, don't let that mystery last for all too long.
0: My mommy. My
2: and that, of course, is good enough to uh, to end the episode. Uh, I mean, it's it's one of the more shocking endings, I think. Certainly, emotionally. I mean, you know, we've. And had more razzmatazz endings but i mean my goodness it's the show saying why hate kate a little when you can hate kate all the way it's just it's inconceivable this baby who as i said earlier has been a part of the show since it started you know granted still in utero but a, you know uh, a baby who's been part of the narrative uh all these episodes uh, to have that baby separated from Claire—does oh, that mean Claire is dead? Does that mean you know? It, it opens up this whole—I uh, mean, obviously fruitful and enjoyable—chest uh, uh, of, of questions to ask. But I mean, you can't—you <laughs> you can't help but—but—but uh, but, but dislike Kate from what's being implied in this episode, which, you know, as I said before, is this strange little. Uh, Oh, strange side effect of these Kate episodes, that that she's never presented in a good light, never presented in a stable, responsible light. But anyhow, let's uh, now move on, take a look at Lostpedia, which has a bunch of good stuff. Uh, They note this is the first episode in which Jin has any dialogue this season, so there you go, he had to memorize a couple of lines. Uh, this is the first episode of the fourth season, which was uh, is rated TV-14. Well, PD explains this not only due to Locke's punishment with, uh, involving Miles, but also the issues between Sawyer and Kate involving pregnancy and their intimacy. Uh, the title of this episode baffled many fans. Carlton Cuse explained... Quote, really, we could spend a lot of time talking about the titles that don't make sense, but the title Eggtown referred to the fact that Locke Locke fixed a couple of eggs for Ben at the beginning of the episode. Then there's also the episode uh then there's also the episode had a lot to do with Kate's pregnancy, and pregnancy involves eggs. So that was the other kind of sort of metaphoric significance of the title Eggtown. So there you go. I actually don't know how much of a mystery that was after watching the episode, I remember. Kind of, you know, being amazed, oh, it's these different, uh you know, these different uh, notions of eggs. Including, of course, kind of the, you know, there's, there's a chicken and the egg quasi-aspect here, you know, who, uh, involving the Oceanic Six, and, you know, uh, how did that come to be? Anyhow, uh, Lost Petey also says Kate is officially confirmed as a member of the Oceanic Six, though Aaron will not be confirmed as a member until the season finale. As I said before, it was unusual how, um, it, in retrospect, it was unusual how we didn't, uh, I don't want to say this, we didn't um, anticipate that he was a member of the Oceanic Six. Now, I guess to be uh, to be fair, on the one hand, we don't know what the cover story is, right? If the cover story is... I mean, again, we know now, obviously, on repeat viewing, but at first time the episode was viewed, we didn't know, uh, is this a baby that she passed off as having had on the rescue thing? Uh, you know, how did all of that happen? What exactly was the the timeline of her uh, story uh, with Aaron being her son? So I suppose there's, you know, so just that argument. Also, I think, uh, I think... It was just kind of in the air when, when you know, in, during season four, that maybe it was six people who were on Oceanic plus the baby that she, quote unquote, had on the island or had shortly after uh, a landing, that sort of thing, whatever the different scenarios were. But sure enough, Aaron, a member of the Oceanic Six. Uh, wrapping up here, penultimately for the Lostpedia bit, despite Kate's murder of Wayne Jansen having occurred in Iowa. Her case is put before a state court in California. In addition, the same court also tries her for bank robbery, which should actually be handled by a federal court. So uh, this and the final bit of trivia, certainly a bit of, uh, oh, legal uh, storytelling, uh, you know, hand of the writer in order to uh, not have Kate go through multiple trials one State court in Iowa, one federal court in California for the bank robbery, or Arizona, or wherever. Anyhow, last but not least, Kate would also be charged with felony murder for the deaths caused during the bank robbery, even if she did not directly cause their deaths. Her mother's refusal to testify would not affect the prosecution's ability to convict on the robbery-related charges. So, what are you going to do? It's part of one episode meant to facilitate uh you know prisoner Kate that we you know that that we knew before the crash and to have her uh i don 't want to say pay for those crimes, but to have those crimes judged by judged by the legal system and then to get her free uh at a later point in the story so that of course she can return to the island anyhow let's look ahead till next week, which uh gee whiz, you may have heard of this episode before it is the constant. It is perhaps not even perhaps, it is in my opinion the greatest non finale episode uh, of the series. Uh, in my memory, I might place it, uh, I'd place it, I probably place it second to the finale with third place going to the other 48 days. But uh, I mean, just, just a powerful episode, and of course, should be reminded uh, that it's an episode that does not feature uh flashbacks it does not feature flash forwards uh it is told in a linear fashion uh from the point of view of desmond who of course uh his consciousness going back and forth so a neat little uh neat not even a neat little episode uh just a magnificent episode one that uh one that uh, takes advantage of the science fiction Uh, elements of the show and just a real treat that I'm looking forward to watching and uh, discussing with you. If you'd like to share feedback, the best way to do that is to say hello to uh, to me on Twitter where I'm Looking Back Lost. You can leave a message at the listener line 732-707-1815. Send an email to lookingbackatlost at gmail.com or leave a comment on the webpage lookingbackatlost.podbean.com. So, I know it's, I feel like it's a slightly shorter episode this week. You know, again, the, these things happen. You know, I, I constantly worry, oh, is this because I'm racing through the episode or whatnot? But just a little bit less meat and potatoes to this episode. A bit more direct. But certainly not, uh, not an episode without uh, singers. And uh, a solid episode to be sure. So, again, I'll talk to you all again next week for 405, The Constant. Take care, everybody, and bye-bye.